When Joe Biden was running for president, he said he wanted to be more humane than his predecessor when it came to immigration and policies at the U.S. border with Mexico. My father would say it's all about dignity, granting them the dignity and respect they deserve. He's had two years to deliver on that promise with Democrats in control of Congress. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. And an especially eventful two months with Republicans in control of the House. Do not, do not just show up at the border. It seems like as good a time as any to assess how President Biden's doing on his pledge, and that is coming up on Today Explained. Support for Today Explained comes from BetterHelp. We'd all like to find an extra hour every day for the things that really matter. Therapy might be able to help you suss out what is most important and prioritize it. And BetterHelp can make the entire process convenient and painless. You can fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist in practically no time at all. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. You can visit betterhelp.com slash explain today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash explained. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences. So there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Today Explained, Sean Ramos from here with The Washington Post's Nick Miroff. He covers the Department of Homeland Security and Immigration, so he's the right kind of person to ask how decent a job Biden's been doing on the humane treatment of migrants front. Nick said... We got to start with the last guy. Build that wall. Build that wall. Build that wall. Build that and so, you know, as many listeners wall. will remember, immigration, the border, the border wall, these were red meat fundamental issues for the Trump administration. Nearly 180,000 illegal immigrants with criminal records ordered deported from our country are tonight roaming free to threaten peaceful citizens. And so when Biden runs for office, he wants to cut a clear contrast, right, to the Trump administration. He promises to restore, you know, the idea that immigration is sort of central to America's identity, that people need to be treated, you know, more humanely with a greater dignity. My father would say it's all about dignity granting them the dignity and respect they deserve. And he wants to capitalize on a lot of the anger that had built up during those years, people disgusted by the family separation episode. They separated them at the border to make it a disincentive to come to begin with. Their kids were ripped from their arms and separated. And now they cannot find over 500 sets of those parents and those kids are alone, nowhere to go. 
nowhere to go. It's criminal. But many other things that I think they, you know, saw between the the kind of uh, some of the ugly rhetoric, the symbolism of a border wall, all of these things that were so key to Trump's presidency, Biden really wanted to repudiate that and and move things in a completely different direction. And so the you know the main thing that you hear Biden administration officials say now is he wanted to create an orderly, humane system at the border. So how does he put that into action the second he sits down in the Oval Office? Because I remember the shooting off of just dozens of executive orders, it seemed like. That's right. And so on, on day one, I mean, there were more executive orders related to immigration on the border than anything else. Right. Halting, you know, construction on the border wall. A big one was ordering like a pause on interior enforcement from ICE on, you know, on deportations. Immigration and customs enforcement officers will reportedly be given new guidance that will lead to fewer arrests and deportations. The policy change would mean ICE agents no longer seek deportations for immigrants convicted of drunk driving and assault. It also weakens ICE's ability to arrest wanted immigrants at correctional facilities. And so, you know, you just saw this flurry of, of activity and I think that a case could be made that many of the challenges that the administration has faced since then were set into motion in that just in that initial period hmm. when there was a, a real need to, again, repudiate the Trump administration by taking these moves. But the signal that it sent, I think, particularly throughout Latin America, was that there had been a, a major change in policy and that the administration in the United States was going from a more closed approach to border enforcement to a more open one. Mm. And I mean, you saw Biden figures continuing to say the border's not open, don't come to the border. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. But by then, I think there had been a change in perception. And what people were hearing from their friends and their family members who were here is that there were a lot of jobs and that things weren't as restrictive now that Trump was gone and that this was a good time to come. And so that precipitated some very, very challenging and politically damaging scenes at the border for the president. The southern U.S. border is being tested in ways never before seen. In the last fiscal year, federal officials say there were more than 2.7 million undocumented border crossers, beating the previous record by more than a million. Does Biden see this coming, this transition to a more humane policy at the border leading to more people showing up at the border? Does he know that's going to happen? I think he does, because and that's one of the incredible things about this is that right before he took office and he was talking about, you know, his agenda and he said, The last thing we need is to say we're going to stop immediately the access to asylum the way it's being run now and end up with uh, two million people on our border. And sure enough, they, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, has recorded basically two million arrests per year during the first two years of his presidency. So that did happen. This has inflamed an already explosive issue. Republican lawmakers started busing and flying migrants to Democrat-run cities, while Democrats are openly critical of the Biden administration, urging the president to demonstrate this is a priority for him. Just show up. It doesn't take much to just show up at the border. What he wanted to avoid ended up happening. And I mean, people who have followed his career and particularly his the sort of origins of his 
identity as a kind of, you know, law and order guy. I mean, they think that this kind of thing is very, you know, painful to him or difficult. He doesn't like the perception that something that he's responsible for is out of control and is in disorder Hmm. and that there's like a lot of law breaking going on. So I think there's a possibility, you know, that this bothers him and it probably took him beyond his comfort zone as a politician. So what does he do about it in his first two years in office? So, you know, the, the one Trump-era policy, enforcement policy, that the administration held on to is the Title 42 pandemic emergency restrictions. Title 42 is simply a public health rule that allows Border Patrol to immediately expel migrants back to Mexico once they have crossed illegally. And they're allowed to do that on the basis of public health because we're in a pandemic. And they By the end of the Trump administration, the pandemic was in, you know, in full swing, and Trump's immigration advisors, led by Stephen Miller, realized that they had this tool, Title 42, which is, you know, in the U.S. Public Health Code and basically allows U.S. authorities at the border to expel, to quickly turn back somebody who comes across the border, either to their home country or to Mexico. And Mexico put limits on exactly who it was going to take back and when right. and and over time put more and more limits on that but the but the basic principle was that you can't have all these people in custody along the border you can't be holding them in detention and so what we have to do is just send them back and send them out as quickly as possible as the country's pandemic restrictions fall off, this one particular restriction for immigrants stays in place at the border. Yeah. And the way they handled it and the way they managed their relationship to immigrant advocacy groups and the humanitarian groups that work with immigrants was to make more and more exceptions to Title 42 expulsions, right? So whereas Trump was really intensely enforcing Title 42 during those last months of the presidency. And he said that pretty much every undocumented immigrant in the U.S. without legal status was subject to arrest and deportation. Biden, little by little, starts to expel fewer and fewer, lower and lower percentage of people who are coming across. Officials are letting in families who have children under the age of six and then releasing them into border towns like McAllen, Texas. The Biden administration is also no longer using the Trump-era policy of expelling migrant children because of health concerns created by the pandemic. So little by little, Title 42 ceases to be as relevant or as rigorously enforced at the border so that after they get to say, you know, I think it was after about a a year, Biden administration starts to prepare to end it. Of course, we are planning for uh, multiple contingencies and we have every expectation that when the CDC ultimately decides it's appropriate to lift Title 42, there will be an influx of people to the border. And so we are doing a lot of work to plan for that contingency. I think you saw- By then they're already seeing record numbers of people coming across and they're getting kicked in the teeth politically for it by the Republicans. Hmm. They try to lift it, but then they're sued and they lose. And that's the last they ever hear from Republicans. Not quite. (laughs) The federal government was sued over the use of Title 42 and a federal judge in Washington, D.C. recently ordered the government to stop using the measure. Fifteen conservative states, including Texas, are now asking the judge to reverse his ruling. Once this authority goes out the window, and that appears to be imminent, the situation is going to get much, much worse. And it goes all the way to the Supreme Court. And so they had scheduled hearings for the next phase of of that case for March, but they have canceled them. And that is because the White House has come out and said that they are going to end the public health emergency 
related to the pandemic on May 11th, hmm. therefore eliminating basically the underlying basis for the Title 42 border restrictions. And the court, Supreme Court has removed that hearing from its calendar without saying why. And now the question is, does that mean that they have endorsed the White House's position on this? We know that the states plan to keep pressing and they want to keep Title 42 in place. How do you keep that in place? That, that is about COVID. That is about public health risk. Uh, whether it's COVID or some other issue, when you have people coming across the globe without knowing at all what their health status is, that almost by definition is a public health risk. There's every reason to keep that in place. A cynical interpretation of why they're doing that at this point is that they believe that keeping Title 42 in place will prolong chaos at the border, will prolong a state of affairs, you know, that we have seen with very high numbers of people coming across, attempting to enter, the administration really struggling to manage it and being saddled with the perception that they can't manage and control the border. What a mess. It is a mess, but that's immigration in the United States. More with Nick in a minute on Today Explained. Support for the show already comes from Factor, not Simon Cowell Factor, not Joe Rogan Factor. Uh, Factor, with the fast premium meals without the work, Factor offers over 35 different options a week to choose from with options for your dietary needs. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, which saves you all that prep cooking and cleanup time. I've never saved all my prep cooking and cleanup time, but maybe Vox's Sarah Frank has. For lunch, I had a garlic mushroom chicken thigh meal with a side of green beans. I think from the time I pulled it out of the fridge to the time I plated it, it was less than five minutes. So for busy people like me, a super easy way to have a healthy meal in really just a few minutes. You can head to factormeals.com slash explained50 and use the code EXPLAINED50 to get 50% off. That's code EXPLAINED50 at factormeals.com slash EXPLAINED50 to get 50% off. Support for this episode of Today Explained comes from the Wondery podcast, Wiki Hole. Do you know when Crystal Pepsi was discontinued or what was in Al Capone's vault? Did you know he had a vault? Do you know which famous meteorologist is Lenny Kravitz's second cousin? If not, what are you doing? You're not spending enough time on Wikipedia, clearly. But that's okay because you can learn about it on the new podcast, Wiki Hole, from Smartless Media. Host Darcy Carden leads you down the craziest rabbit holes on Wikipedia. Her comedian friends join her. They bring the cyber frontier directly to your tympanic membrane. And if you listen to Wikihole, you know what the tympanic membrane is. Wikihole is a hyperlink roller coaster starting out on one Wikipedia page and then going from link to link to link, careening through links until it gets somewhere. You can follow Wikihole on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Wikihole ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.
They'd heard about a country where life might let them win. They paid the fare to America, and there they melted in. All right, today explained, we are back with The Washington Post's immigration and homeland security reporter Nick Miroff, who in the first half of the show walked us through the first two years of Biden immigration policy. We talked a lot about Title 42. But now I want to talk, Nick, about the last two months, the two months since Republicans have taken control of the House of Representatives. It feels like it's been very eventful. Yeah, there's been a lot going on. So I think what we've seen since the midterms is the administration attempting to pivot maybe more toward the center, more toward a a more enforcement-minded approach to the border. In December of last year, they had more than 250,000 encounters, you know, basically arrests along the southern border. That was the highest level we've ever seen. And that, you know, I think was, for the administration at least, a tipping point. Hmm. And immediately in the beginning of the year, we saw them try to roll out what's going to be their new border strategy. And that is going to be a combination of tighter enforcement with using executive authority to create what they would call legal pathways, more channels, more opportunities for migrants to enter the United States legally. What does that look like? So it's like a two-pronged approach. The legal avenues are mostly created through what's called parole. What they're doing is they are going to allow up to 30,000 migrants from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. It requires migrants from those countries have a sponsor in the U.S., undergo rigorous background checks, apply from outside the U.S., and not cross illegally. Do not, do not just show up at the border. And they will apply through a a mobile app, and if approved, they can enter the United States, like, you know, by air, they can land at an airport, they'll get a fast track to a work authorization, Hmm. uh, the potential to um, adjust their status to a more permanent status once they're already here. Why those four countries? Well, those four countries were really driving this huge increase in the numbers at the border. You know, when we got to 250,000 monthly in December, that was when people were like sleeping on the streets of El Paso because there was no more space for them in shelters. When really the system had just, you know, was on the brink of collapse. One-year-old Brenda has no shoes. Her tiny feet bare on the cold pavement of an El Paso parking lot. Are you going to sleep outside again? What are you going to do? Her parents, Anthony Blanco and Glenda Matos, say they wrapped this rosary around her ankle for protection when they left Venezuela four months ago. She says says that she thought that her daughter was going to die overnight because it was so cold. They had just crossed the river. They were wet. And those four nationalities were driving it in large part because the United States basically can't deport or return migrants from Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua because of our strained relations with with those nations. They're basically not accepting deportees from the United States. Hmm. And so because we can't deport them, most of the, they have been uh, released into the interior of the United States after their process at the border, and that invites more and more illegal crossings. And so that situation was really kind of spiraling. And so they come in and they say, we're going to create this program admitting up to 30,000 a month from these countries. But we're also, we've also worked out a deal with Mexico. Mexico is now going to start taking back up to 30,000 a month from these countries if people cross illegally, if they don't follow the legal process that we are creating through this parole program, right? Hmm. So it's classic carrot stick approach. 
what we see almost immediately is a massive change at the border, right? The number of people being taken into custody after crossing illegally from those four nations drops 97%. Wow. Yeah. So effective. Super effective, but with some caveats. Namely, whenever the government takes some kind of drastic enforcement measure at the border, we typically see everyone kind of stand back, pause, the smugglers sort of step back, try to recess how the landscape has changed, then they adjust, then they try to work around it. Yeah. And I should also say, of course, they get sued, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Classic. Ken Paxton, the Texas Republican Attorney General, leads a group of 20 states led by Republican officials that are suing, trying to block the parole program, saying it's a, an abuse of executive authority. Why are these Republicans mad if, if it worked and it slowed immigration at the border? That is the administration's argument. The states are saying these people are not authorized to come to the country. Mm. You're creating a parallel visa system. This far exceeds the authorities that are given to the executive branch by Congress under the Immigration and Nationality Act. I see. And so that is the legal matter that dispute there. Okay. Now, prong two, this is very important, is the thing that we just saw rolled out last week, and that is the more rigorous enforcement element, which is a new proposal, a proposed rule, they call it, that will effectively punish any asylum seeker who enters the United States illegally or doesn't seek protection in another country they transit en route to the U.S. border. It really shows how the, this administration has become a little uh, harder on immigration than what a lot of these groups expected from President Biden and what he campaigned on when he said he wanted to go back to a safe, orderly, and humane immigration policy. But So part- the U.S. immigration law is very clear on this. It doesn't matter how you come to the United States, whether you cross illegally or come to enter legally, you have the right to seek protection from persecution back in your in your home country. Hmm. And so what the administration is trying to do is to say that if somebody enters illegally, then we're going to uh, give them a what they call a rebuttable presumption of asylum and eligibility that is going to weigh heavily on their claim. That means when they go to try to make their case for asylum, they are going to hit this, you know, they would call it a bar but it would basically, they would have to overcome it by saying, you know, there were extraordinary circumstances that prevented me from applying through your legal channels. I was fleeing for my life, or there's like some medical exception or something like that. But basically, they would have to overcome that very high hurdle in order to qualify for asylum. It does feel disjointed, um, whether you compare what President Biden said as a candidate versus what he's done as president, or even the fact that at the time when the administration is fighting Title 42's use in court, they're also expanding it. We saw the announcement. The reason you're seeing so many immigration advocates and many Democrats up in arms is that this would be a major change to the way asylum claims are processed at the border. Hmm. Now, they are also going to be on shaky legal ground, and the ACLU has said that they're going to sue the Biden administration to prevent this policy from taking effect. (laughs) Wow. So basically, from the right, and from the left. That's right. The administration's taking heat. Exactly. They're going to be fighting on, on both fronts. And again, this is very shaky ground because, you know, U.S. immigration law is clear that asylum is supposed to be open to anyone uh, no matter how they arrive. Thinking back to where we started in this conversation, Nick, where, you know, Biden wants to set a more humane tone 
than the previous administration. I'm just from everything you just said, it sounds like at least the previous administration only got heat from one side of this fight. But Biden's actually taken heat from both. Has he at least been more humane? Did he did he deliver at least that part of his pledge? I think that they have. And I think that any serious examination of what they have done over the past two years shows that they completely changed the way the government talks about migrants and immigrants. Okay. They have removed many of the policies put in place by the Trump administration that were designed to punish or or deter migrants through harsh treatment. If we think about interior enforcement in the United States by ICE, the number of of people who are being arrested and deported by ICE is at like a multi-decade low. Huh. And you have uh, an administration that is closing ICE detention centers and has very, very, very restrictive directions to ICE officers about who they can arrest and when. Another thing that has Republicans up in arms. And we've seen them, you know, halt construction on the border wall and President Trump's signature project. And a number of other measures. I mean, for the, the things that readers will be familiar with, there are dozens of other little things that they have done to reverse restrictive measures that Trump had taken. Okay. And just in the way this White House is clearly very anguished about the way they talk about new enforcement measures shows a sensitivity to this criticism. But again, this is this is the challenge for any Democratic administration at the border and on immigration enforcement specifically, right? Which is that you have to walk this very narrow tightrope between this core part of your base for whom almost any restrictive enforcement measure is unacceptable and Republican Party that is very much united on this issue and loves to beat you over the head with it and is going to beat you over the head with it heading into next year's re-election campaign. Nick Miroff, Immigration, DHS at The Washington Post. Our show today was produced by Hadi Mawagdi. It was edited by Jolie Myers, fact-checked by Laura Bullard, and mixed by Patrick Boyd. It's Today Explained.